resurrection. And we can just talk about it all over again on Sunday, that'd be awesome, but I can't just focus on the cross with you tonight because it's Good Friday. Every single day is Resurrection Sunday. Every single day of my life, even Good Friday is Resurrection Sunday. I've passed from death to life. That's why Good Friday is a matter of perspective. Do you see what he sees? Do you see what he did? Do you know who you are? Do you have a clue what he's done to you? For the first thousand years of church history, when you look at the artwork of the church, you'll see pictures of Christ, and more often than not, what they would paint and draw and meditate on and focus on and celebrate through art was the resurrection of Jesus Christ or his ascension. Does any pictures come to mind of artwork of the ascending Christ? the resurrected Christ, the, the Christ that you see in the book of Revelation, the resurrected Christ, the glorified Christ. At about 1000 AD, when they started to develop the modern legal system, a theologian came up with the idea, and I believe what he did was he zoomed right in on the cross, and for a moment he forgot to look at the incarnation and the life the ways of Jesus, the way he walked with the Father, who he was as a son of God. He, he took his focus off the life for a minute. He, he just pushed the resurrection aside and the ascension. He zoomed a little too far into the cross at the cost of seeing clearly the scope of Jesus' life and what he wanted to achieve. And when you zoom right in, and I believe he took then because it was a development of law systems for the modern age, he then took where do you find the law in the Bible? The old covenant between God and the Israelites. He's looking at the cross and he pulls on the old covenant as a lens and he sees instead of a drunken act of radical love implemented by the Trinity, not the Son separate from the Father, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. God was in Christ. You will all leave me, but he will not leave me. My father. We see a distant father and a strung out son. And we divide the Trinity and we make the father the angry one and the son the one that's a little bit cruisier with sin. And if all you do is zoom into the cross and then take the legal system of the law and impose it upon the cross, the cross is reduced to a replacement for your penalty. It becomes a legal transaction. The cross, the cross, where my sins are paid for. The thing that makes it a good Friday and not an average Friday is when you understand that the cross is not merely a legal transaction. He didn't come to cover your sins to relieve his judgment or anger towards you. Does it say, for God so wanted to judge the world that he sent his son? Does it say, for God so wanted to love the world that he sent his son? But actually he hated them because of their sin. For God so loved. He didn't want to love, but couldn't. He loved. The cross of Jesus did not change God, it changed you. God never needed to change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
Sin did not change his mind about who you are. You needed to change, not God. That's the cross. Do not diminish the cross to a legal transaction. It is an eternal statement of love. Love. The love of God. The love of God. If you reduce the cross to a legal transaction... You think that God is satisfied just removing the punishment for your sin. What are you left with? A sinful nature. So the legal paradigm of the cross makes, rolls out the red carpet for the sinner saved by grace theology. Because we think God's just satisfied removing the punishment for our sins, but we're left with the problem of sin. We're left with the sinful condition that separates us from God. And so now he declares that we've come into the fullness of the promise of Abraham, which was not the wilderness, it was the promised land, but we're living like we're in the wilderness. And we're 21st century Gentiles in the land of milk and honey, and we're not drinking the milk or eating the honey. Because our paradigm, our perspective is that it's an average Friday, not a good Friday. He did not leave you in your sin, but remove the punishment. He removed the punishment. He removed the nature of sin. He removed the desires of sin. He removed every bit of sin from your nature. And now as Jesus Christ is, so are you. That's a good Friday. That's such a good Friday. I had a great Friday. I had Lily Pilly flavoured ice cream down at the foreshore. Didn't I, Maya? Yeah, I did. I had Lily Pilly. It was the weirdest flavour I've ever tasted. I didn't even finish it. But that was a good day. And Naomi said to me, because she was there, so was Riley and Beck and Jimmy, she said, do you want to taste it before you just get this random blue, bright blue ice cream? I said, no, I just want to dive in. (laughs) There's something about diving in to the gospel, to the lily pilly, to the glory, to the milk and honey. There's something about giving yourself to it. I've had to learn in my own life, and I'm still learning, to yield to the pleasure of God, to His pleasure. Did God create Adam and Eve and stick them in a courtroom? Where did he put them? The Garden of? What does Eden mean? The word Eden is the Hebrew word that means pleasure. So before there was a problem called sin, and God was revealing his heart and he created man, he did not put them in a courtroom because he is not a legally motivated God, he's a love motivated God. And he puts them in a garden called pleasure. Pleasure. And he begins to build a family in the garden of pleasure. Now, who knows the psalm that says, of God, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Okay, where's Christ seated? The right hand. Why do you think the Bible makes an effort to tell you which hand of the Father Jesus is seated at? It's not semantics. 
He creates Adam and Eve and he puts them in a garden called pleasure. Adam and Eve sin, right? What happens then? This changes everything. When you just zoom out a bit from the cross and look at the entire person of Christ as he reveals the Trinity on the earth, it reshapes how you see everything in the Bible. Christ is the lens of all theology and all the Bible. And we, we had a theology night last night, Caleb, Tom, Chris and I, and we talked about this for four and a half hours. And we concluded that what people do is they take this, this time period of 1300 years where the law existed, right? Because God gave the old covenant with this law that they had to abide by, right? And we take that law and we look at the cross through the lens of the law instead of through the lens of the love that existed for over 2,000 years before the, the law was ever created. Love. Do you know that before the law existed, over 2,000 years of human history had unfolded where men walked with God by faith? Yes, they had sinful natures, but by faith they could obey the voice of the Father, they could live by their consciences with what had been revealed of Him. And God would count them righteous for their faith in Him. There was a whole different system of relationship. Over 2,000 years before the law. And then the law comes for 1,300 years until the cross. And then guess what? The law ends. The old covenant ends. And just so we fully understand it, the temple's destroyed too. So even if you want to do the old covenant, you can't. There's no temple anymore. And then the new covenant, which we now live in. And do you know how long has gone by since the cross? Almost 2,000 years again on the other side of history, from the law. So we take the shortest period in history and we impose it upon the cross. And we make the cross a courtroom instead of a garden. We make God a judge instead of a father. And we wonder why even when we start to get that we're righteous, we still are afraid of God. Hmm. You cannot separate the cross from the resurrection. We live in his resurrection. We are alive because of the resurrection. Titus 3 says when the Holy Spirit comes, He regenerates you. That regeneration is the act of Him moving you through the cross and into the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. And that's why the Holy Spirit can indwell you now. And you've become His temple, His most holy place where He dwells. That's the glory of what Christ did. Who remembers... The story of the Passover. It's in the book of Exodus. And it's the story of how God delivered the Israelites from Egypt. Do you know that today, it happens to be the, the start of Passover as well? As well as Good Friday, Easter. It doesn't always land on the same day, but they're so close because the Passover... Who knows that the Bible, the Old Testament, has these things called shadows of Christ... So when you read it, before you know Jesus, right, you don't see Jesus, you're veiled. The law was a veil, it says. 
They searched the Scriptures looking for Him, but they couldn't see Him because the law is a veil. But once you see Christ, you look back and the veil's lifted and everything just points at Jesus. Everything is a shadow, a type. It's saying, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Here's a picture. Here's a shadow. Here's a type. And the Passover is one of the most significant shadows. And many, many, many Jews are converted by being shown the shadow of the Passover and pointing to Jesus, as well as Isaiah 53. But the Passover is a huge one. Who remembers what happened when God moved through Egypt to destroy the firstborn of the households in Egypt. Who remembers that? And what did he say for the Israelites to do to avoid that judgment? To find a spotless lamb without spot, without blemish. And on the day of the Passover they were to sacrifice this spotless lamb. And then where, what did they do with the blood of that lamb? They smeared it where? On the door of the house or the wall of the house? The door, that's significant. What did Jesus say? I am the door. The cross is not a wall. The cross is a door. I am the door. This is so significant. Now, behind the door where the blood of the Lamb was put, what did the families do? Well, outside was death, loss, and destruction. What happened in the homes? They were feasting on the Lamb. Now, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul looks back at the Passover and says that in 1 Corinthians 5, Jesus Christ is our Passover Lamb. It is a direct link. I'm not making it up. I'm not just pulling a random picture and trying to squeeze it into Jesus. Paul did that. It's what he intended to paint the picture of as he was delivering the Israelites. And he commanded the Israelites that you are to eat every single bit of that lamb. What did Jesus say? Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. Can you see the shadow? Can you see it? The cross, we come to the cross as Christians and we thank God for being freed from our penalty. But what really happened is we passed through the cross because it's a door, not a wall. It's not the end goal. It's the entrance into this new life called the resurrection. And that's where we live right now. And as we change our minds, which is called repenting, toward God and the truth, it changes our experience and our Friday becomes a good Friday. And every day becomes Resurrection Sunday. Every day. Why does joy offend us the most? At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What are we missing? Why are we so comfortable to say God's angry, but then when someone says he's in a good mood, everyone freaks out? Why can someone cry in church, but then Chloe laughs and people are like, mm-hmm. Seriously, it shows what we see about God. Do you see that? What happened when Adam ate from the tree? Remember, Adam sinned against God, remember? He sinned against God. 
What did God do? Adam, where are you? God went looking for him. What is that? When I, when I just used to see the cross and I couldn't see the whole life of Christ and the resurrection and everything that is part of him, the way I would see that is that Adam sins and God turns his back on him. Because God hates sin, remember? But God, knowing full well what Adam had done, looks for him. And who hid from God? Adam. Did sin change God or did sin change Adam? What changed? Guilt, shame, condemnation. Sin caused him to go inward. And instead of beholding God's face to find that he was a son and God was his father, he was ashamed of who he'd become. And he was ashamed to stand before God. Who pursued who? The cross is the final effort in God's pursuit with zero dignity of you. It is love. Cross equals love. Hillsong. Praise God for Hillsong. Cross equals love. Man, do we get it? I didn't get it for so long. Do we get it? Do we get who we are and what he did in us? Do we get where we live right now? Because if we can't see it and grab hold of it and let it become an anchor in our hearts, we're not going to have a good Friday. It changes everything. It does. It changes everything. Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. We are the joy. One of the most, one of the best things you can do to celebrate Easter this weekend is to not look at the death and resurrection of Christ from a distance. If you want to celebrate Easter this weekend, associate yourself with him. Do you want to celebrate Easter and honor it? Honor the institution and the tradition? Then don't look at it from a distance. Associate yourself with it. His death was my death. His death was my death. I died. I died. I'm celebrating Easter right now. When we do communion, we do it in remembrance of Him, not in remembrance of sin. Do this in remembrance of me, He said. Because of what He did. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, when he's arguing about the fact that Jesus was resurrected, they knew the power of the resurrection. Paul knew that if there was no resurrection then we weren't regenerated as Christians. And so in 1 Corinthians 15, when he's arguing against these people called Sadducees who believe there was no resurrection, he says this, if Jesus isn't resurrected, then our faith is useless. And we're still in our sin. Paul said that. 
If Jesus did not raise from the dead, our faith is useless because we're still in our sin. Meaning the resurrection, if it's real, removed our sin. And that's the power of the gospel. Why did Paul say in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation. Guess what? If the gospel has not changed the way you live, are you really saved? Salvation is a change of life because of the resurrection of Christ. He put His Spirit in you, His Spirit, not a feeling or a tingle. It's the person of God living inside of you. Why, would, why do they have to eat every part of the lamb? Because it's the fullness of God that dwells bodily, not half. The Spirit regenerates us. He regenerates us. The power of the gospel saves us. Sozo, saved, healed, delivered, kept safe and sound, made free. Salvation changes your life. And if it doesn't, are you really saved? It means something that God is here. God is here. God. God is here. God is here. God. That, whoa. Oh, whoa. <laughs> you know, one of the Holy Spirit's key role descriptions is that He will lead us into all truth. Do you know that? John 16? And when He comes, He will lead you into all truth and bring all things to your remembrance. We've got this idea in some of our cultures that the Holy Spirit is unintelligent. And when we swim in the river, that we call it, the river of the Holy Spirit, that flows from our belly because that's the Holy Spirit, it's the river of living water, that when you jump in the river, God no longer expects you to understand the gospel. As long as we're swimming in the river, it's cool. But if the Holy Spirit's key job description is to lead us into truth, then I've got a suspicion that once you jump in the river, you're going to hit a few Bibles as you float down there. The gospel's simple. The gospel's simple. In the parable of the sower, it's the Word of God that's sowed, not an encounter with God. And it's the Word that becomes an anchor or a root, not the encounter. The Word of God is not trying to kill your joy, it's trying to empower your joy to never end. The Holy Spirit is not in competition with the Scriptures, He wrote the Scriptures, so that when He could teach us to understand it, we would have joy beyond measure and filled with glory. And so we can jump in the river and bring our intelligence with us. And we can get drunkity drunk drunk in the Holy Ghost. But we'll remember what happened at the cross when we leave the room and we won't sin. 
will live holy and be full of whack. Hmm. Has time slowed down or has my clock stopped? Okay, that was point one. Is it right to do a fire tunnel on Good Friday? We've been talking about them for a couple of months now in this community and something, somehow they keep eluding us. Joy tunnels. Bible tunnels. God created a garden, not a courtroom. What motivated the cross is love, not legalism. He paid a high price for us to be sons and daughters. If we stop at the cross, we will not claim our prize because the prize is in the resurrection. And we'll wait for Jesus' second coming before we start to embrace the promised land. Hebrews 9 says, Yet once more Jesus Christ will appear. And then it says in the same breath, not to deal with sin. He's not coming to deal with your sin at his return because he dealt with it at his first appearance. Don't live in a mistaken appearance. Are you with me? Is this good news? Just put your hands out with me for a second, if you will. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, my words are so, so inadequate right now. Lord, would you just help us to just understand right now? Thank you that you lead us into all truth, Lord, experiential truth, Lord. God paid such a price to be in this room with you and to indwell you. So with your eyes closed and your hands out, just acknowledge, just acknowledge him. Just acknowledge his love. He stares at you and stares at you and stares at you and stares at you. He kind of gets under your skin, God. Under your skin. He's under your skin, God. He's under your skin. He is not a fantasy. God is here. And he's under your skin. God is here. With me now, with, with me now as a family, acknowledge in your heart his nearness to you, that the veil of his flesh was torn and you were vacuumed into it when you believed and you sit in him at the right hand of the Father. And you let whatever response bubbles up in you come forth. Because that does something in my heart, it does something in my body. Who? Oh. Hmm. Holy Ghost. Hmm. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. 
Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Thank you that we are seated in Christ at the right hand where the pleasure is, God. Thank you that we've received the satisfaction of sonship, Lord God. Thank you that every day is Resurrection Sunday, Lord. Every day we live in the resurrection life that you purchased for us. Thank you, Father, that we are a family who does not leave our inheritance undiscovered and unspent. But we are good stewards of what you gave us simply by seeing it and then valuing it. You are the Passover lamb, and we are the ones who are feasting at your table right now. Lord, you pursued us. You pursued us. He is not staring at you from the distance of eternity right now. He's sitting in this room. He's so present. He's more present right now than you are. He's more present. He's, he's unashamed to be in time with you. God, in time, in front of you, burning for you. God, the Father, the Father, no more veil, no more veil. You've been unhinged from the sinful nature. It is gone as far as the east is from the west. So far has he removed your sin from you. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He did not leave you in them. He took them from you. That's the power of the gospel that saves us. That's the power of the gospel. The Christian life begins in the resurrection. It begins there. We know that our old man was crucified with him. Romans 6.6, 6, we know, we know, we know. We have an experiential knowledge that our old sinful man was crucified with Christ. That the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Whoa. Nothing, nothing. Shake it off, shake it off. Shake it off. Shame, guilt, and condemnation. Illegal. Illegal. I'm not telling you to ignore sin. I'm telling you to put your heart on Him so He can pull it out of your life. That activity, that habit. Blood was shed for freedom. Blood was shed. Blood was shed. We are called to a love-compelled holiness. We are saints and sons and kings and priests of the new covenant. We are sufficient ministers of the new covenant. Sufficient because of the blood of Jesus Christ. What did you bring to this? Nothing. You just had to let go. You just had to let go. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness for anyone who believes. Is that true or not? then you're righteous. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It does not say I am being. It does not say I will be. It says I have been. 
crucified with Christ? Is your experience of sin more important to you than what he said, than what he declares has happened to you? I'm going to go with him. He's so much smarter than me. And every little experience that's trying to tell me otherwise, I'm going to be humble and say, okay, that's there. I can feel that whispering. But God, you said I was crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live now in the flesh, I live by faith. 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 And faith is a shield that quenches the darts of the enemy, those very ones that you're letting dictate who you are. Faith. I'm free from sin. What the heck? The Bible says that. The Bible says that. You're free from sin. You're free from sin. That means you don't have to let it reign in your life anymore. If you want to walk a powerful Christian life, live holy. That's so powerful, man. The holiness of God is the power of God over sin. It's real. It's so real. It's so real. We can submit and yield to Jesus Christ. We can give him all of our ideas about him, uh, who we are and let him redefine us. Let him redefine you. Where else are you going to look? Where else are you going to look to know who you are? He is not a measuring stick for your failure. He is the mirror in which you see yourself. And my gosh, if you just stare at yourself for a minute, meditate on who you've become in Him, you begin to look like Him when you leave the mirror. You guys with me? Do you know that you can experience the joy of your salvation no matter what you're going through? Do you know that the the devil is up to no good on the earth? So stuff happens in our lives right now. Stuff happens. I used to believe a lie when I saw someone preach with a bit of joy that they just had an easy life. It was a lie the enemy was telling me. Yeah, sure, they're happy, but that's, a life st- that's, that's, a, that's the result of their life. It wasn't. It was a result of the cross. It was a re- result of the resurrection. That's where joy unspeakable comes from. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. I can't see a reason why I can't have that every day of my life. Joy, no matter what. You died. You died. You died. You died. You died. 
you died. You've been unhinged from sin. Unhinged. You've been unhinged from sin. There's people that will leave this room free from things they've been carrying for years tonight. Grab hold of it. There's an anchor of the heart that's taking place. An anchor of the heart. The seed sown is the Word of God. You can receive it with joy, but if you do not have a root in yourself, the seed can be plucked away. That's just the Bible. It's such a powerful parable. The Word of God gets sown. It's joy. But then the cares of life come, and without having a root, a conviction a conviction. The Holy Spirit wants to take what you read in your Bible and bury it deep in your spirit when you give Him time to minister it to your heart. Does that make sense? So then inconsistency becomes a thing of the past because you now have an anchor. So come and encounter with God or none, you're cool. And when you don't feel His presence, you have an anchor of understanding that knows you fully are indwelt by His fullness. You do not live by feelings. God came so close to me in this encounter I had. God has indwelt you. He has collided with you. He is under your skin. He doesn't want personal space. For all eternity, you'll never have that. 